0: Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Brian Colmery, <laughs> Brian and Woo! Matt are back. This is like, hey, not the not, crowd is going wild. Not to say anything about any of the rest of our guests who I have loved and we have had lots of fun talking with, but like, unbelievable. They've been incredible. Actually, people are, are outside
1: this? the window in the in the uh, parking <laughs> lot yelling. Can you, I don't know if you can hear.
0: Oh, it's like, it's like, a I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen in this, in this episode, but I think people are going to want to listen to it. It's
1: going to be bigger than um, Taylor Swift re-releasing Red.
0: I heard about that. Yeah.
1: It's going to be bigger. The people are going crazy outside. I don't know if you can hear. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what the mic picks up or not. People are going crazy. Yeah. They're going crazy. They're chanting, they're throwing stuff. We want him on the podcast. We I think. A bi- I think. Podcast. So. I think. Yeah. Someone just threw a Bible at the at the window. <laughs>
0: it's been. I mean, it might have been like four months since Brian's been on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even then, in the last few, he was kind of mailing it in. So it's been like six months since we've gotten a good Brian.
2: <laughs> Go. Yeah. Hey, everybody.
0: <laughs> Welcome here.
2: <laughs> we have talked about him a lot over the last two months. True. I definitely have come up as I've listened.
0: Brian, Brian, like a foil, Brian, Brian, <laughs> keeps, podcast foil. Brian keeps commenting. He's like, "Why? Why, why do I? Under, why do I end up the butt of the jokes on no matter who the guest is on the pastor's podcast?" And what did we conclude, Scott? <laughs> We—that's—that's that's a pretty big we. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a strong pretty, we. No, strong no, we. no.
1: We concluded. No, you're gonna. Now we're gonna record it, and you're gonna deny your your involvement unbelievable. <laughs> his we fictional
2: con- involvement. We concluded that <laughs> we, the and, reason and, and is... And Matt's,
0: and Matt, Matt and all the minions in the corner of his corner of the office. Wow. Concluded.
2: All the people outside. That
1: yeah. The reason he's made fun of a lot is he's easy to make fun of. So and you gave your
0: affirmation and you're all... <laughs> so it's non-verbal, non verbal affirmation. affirmation. Matt, <laughs> I Matt, Matt's theory is basically if Brian wants to not be made fun of anymore, he should...
2: Just change things about myself. Stop being easy it so to make me different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would drop a kid off at school and come home. And like every other week, Chrissy would say, have you listened to the podcast yet?
0: <laughs> Just to wait for me to hear what it was that got brought up that time. You're, you're an important figure in the life of our church, Brian. <laughs> we can't, you know, how do we him function in re- without in reference?
1: Do we to need Brian. to balance out the making fun with a f- affirmation? It,
0: it might take more than one. We one, love uh, you, Brian. It You're might, great. It might take more than one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're this week on the podcast. Some more people who like Brian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are your favorite things about Brian? About you? About Brian? For you? You can just ask anybody. Take everybody in the church. That's just right. Interview anybody. That's right.
0: What are your favorite? We, things aff- we just want to fill this cup up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Give him he, the first his like, cup he's uh, 10 minutes a, yeah, of this fill podcast. Up his cup, fill Ooh. up his love cup. Oh. He's got to, you know. I know, think that. Bucket I can't, I can't bucket? do it. Love bucket. The love bucket. I can do it. has <laughs> got to. That's, that's what the title of the episode will be. Yeah. Brian's you're, love bucket. You know, you're not that bald. <laughs> <laughs> At this
2: point, I think people are sad I'm back. Really?
1: Who, would, who would say that? No, really?
2: not Whoa, from back from no, sabbatical. Back from timeout. Oh, given the ridiculous oh, stuff you guys were doing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Man,
1: I was like, yeah. he really does have some now. That yeah. was really. That was got really wow. serious. That was <laughs> going to be genuinely funny, and you both ruined it. No, we didn't ruin it. That was. We thought you were like well, we're confessing. On. That like, was. Hurt that on was going podcast. to be.
2: A pitch-perfect transition to something actual that kind of was self-deprecating in our way, and then moved us on to something yeah, else. Yeah, we didn't, we did not it. catch it. We did not catch whatever <laughs> yeah, you, you said. You thought I was depressed yeah, over we're here we're at my. We're, we're you take yourselves and your mocking way too seriously? <laughs> I was not affected by the things that were said on the podcast. You, seem like you about my life from, seemed and, like you were a little. With musicals, seemed like you were a little affected. And uh, I, can't, I mean, the bald stuff at this point is is <laughs> ever since Wes looked at me at like three years old and said, "My daddy has none hair," I kind of just <laughs> coped with it and and, and moved forward.
0: And, Matt's uh, the only one that makes those jokes, which is ironic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still think he
2: has more hair than he lets on.
0: Uh, I,
1: I don't know how that's possible.
0: <laughs> don't don't cut
2: it so close and you would see how oh, it's possible. Okay. okay.
0: I, I think
2: Are you angry over there? I think He's Matt's- He's not like anger. <laughs> I
0: think Matt's just forehead. Just sadness, anger, all yeah. of emotions uh, coming yeah, back from sabbatical. I, like, yeah. I think Matt's forehead, if you just let it grow, would have like nine. Like Ball really spots. prominent, no, but really prominent hairs. Like just, oh yeah, like what what used to be like the the, the peak. It just, boom. I don't know.
2: I yeah, I I see a whole it's, set of hair. When I hair. let it
1: when I let it go like a c- couple weeks, it already looks real awkward, like real awkward. So
2: <laughs> it's
1: it wasn't great. I was in middle school when when I
2: was first told
1: I was bald. So
2: yeah, people are definitely glad I'm back on the podcast. All right, so he's like, I he think he's genuinely he flustered clarifying. over there. I just, I, don't I, think I just, so. <laughs> Can
1: we, can we just pause the
0: podcast real quick? And we're gonna give You'll him, let him let a me hug. Connect myself. And All right, right, right. We, oh, yeah. Okay, we're back. And uh, we've we've dealt with the issues. Had a bit of a. Oh jeez.
2: Fake pause. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I left this place is in shambles. What
0: is going?
1: I think we might need one, Scotty. I think we might need one more pause. I I just want one more quick
0: pause. Okay, see, and now and now we're 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 back. (laughs) I. All
1: right. That's well, what reconciliation is all about. So I,
0: We actually, so th- this isn't off topic. We do want to talk about you being Fair back. Fair enough. We want to talk about you being That's what we're talking about. Um, I, so joking aside. I'm, I'm sure? Not, I'm not, no, I'm not. I can't make any promises. Um, but I would do. You, would you be a little bit more
1: serious? Scott? We're trying to, people are, people are spending their time listening to this podcast. Trying to listen they want to be On two, two times speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> good thing they have that like, 30 seconds through, forward, button, really useful um, if you're just joining us, yes. <laughs> uh, I, so I would love to, you were on sabbatical for three months. I would love for you to get an opportunity to share with even our church family, just some reflections on that time. I mean, maybe in one sense on why we do sabbaticals in general, but even more specifically, I mean, I, I've been super encouraged to be able to see and hear the things that the Lord's been doing and teaching you. I think I'm excited for where it leaves us as a church for where, how it is a, I think a significant piece of where we're going as a church, but that's hard to get. um, I don't know. It's hard to share, right? Like hard to get other people's eyes. We're not going to preach a sermon on, um, I mean, it's gonna. Is so that now what I'm doing? Next week, <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, Bro- yeah. It's, the ulti- it's the ultimate associate pastor's syndrome, right? <laughs> Brian's gonna go like for th- two and a half hours. He's like, I've got some stuff. And to say. then the next week, <laughs> this is right. what I learned.
1: <laughs> and then the week after that,
2: <sighs> how was your sabbatical, Brian? <laughs> It was good, Scott. I don't know. How, it was a good sabbatical. Else to ask. I don't
0: know. It was, it was good. a good
2: sabbatical. So for context uh for those listening, uh so okay, so where do you start? So the uh we've done sabbaticals for seven years now. Is that is that about right? I think it's about right. So, um, rotations of sabbaticals, right? Not me over and over. Yeah,
0: again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Although it's felt this like it. My,
0: this is my third, seventh year in a row yeah. of taking three. Most months of us on. have gotten
1: one. Brian's had three or four, but it's been, this is, this one really stuck. <laughs> this one finally, we finally nailed the
0: landing. Okay. Joking aside. We, I, I, I can't, I can't uh, say that. I the can't title say of The podcast
1: is going to be okay, joking seriously, aside.
0: Seriously though. Maybe that's the, <laughs> seriously. Uh, this is Brian's second sabbatical. Right. Um, And we've kind of gone through rotations. All of our staff pastors have gone on sabbatical um, once at this point. This is kind of our first time around a second time. But um, Matt, why don't you describe why we do sabbaticals?
1: Well, um, I think the reality is that Sabbathing and resting is part of God's design, right? From the very beginning. Uh, seventh day God rested and Sabbath is part of a weekly routine. But it's also kind of something that we've said, hey, we don't want our pastors, especially our staff pastors, with a lot of responsibilities. We don't want them to burn out. We don't want them to um not have the kind of spiritual rest that they need over extended periods of time. So it's a unique way for us as a church to affirm that um uh, efficiency and getting as much done as possible, as much as Scott keeps trying to push that on us, is not <laughs> the ultimate goal. And we use so, sabbaticals
0: to compensate for Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no, but it's a it's a really beautiful picture of our need to rest yeah. and uh, God's desire and design for us to be resting in Him. And it is extremely helpful yeah. and not something that you can do in every. Situation, so we've prioritized that and prioritized the health, spiritual, emotional, physical health of of our pastors in a way that I think is is aiming for longevity and aiming for um, spiritual health here as pastors, which I mm-hmm. think is great. Okay. And it was like I think to be fair, I just like to come back. I, I think Scott originally proposed it, probably or maybe Brian did. Did you? No, you did it. Oh, did I originally propose yeah. it?
2: Yeah. Oh well, whoever
1: proposed well, it, was, it was a it, great it, yeah.
0: idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it, it was my sabbatical. Oh, it was your sabbatical first. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I was like, yeah, let's, I don't know, let's give him a couple of weeks off or something. And Matt came in with a three page document, like oh, no three months. Yeah. We're going to do this. And I remember like, oh, that was about a while right. ago.
1: Yeah. I forgot. I did forget that. I actually yeah. thought it was Scott. You know how, what Scott does is like, sometimes you come up with an idea and then he makes you think it <laughs> was know what Scott's like, <laughs> Anyways, but it's a it is it is a good thing, even if it was my idea it is a good, it is a good thing uh, it is a good thing that I think I'm really excited
0: about uh, the regular practice for yeah. our our staff pastors totally so with that goal of longevity and sustainability in in mind we're gonna shape them towards that. Um, so what was your experience I mean, what has the experience of the last few months been like? well the I mean the first one.
2: Six or seven years ago, a lot of people are new to the church yeah. and might not remember the legend where like <laughs> I had two kids under two in the house and uh, and Chrissy got mono. Yeah, halfway um, through. So that was like, I think Matt Matt determined that she got mono twice somehow, despite the name mono. Um, it, it was duo.
0: And that joke, yeah, ran for a long time. But Wait, uh, <laughs> you, you you know it's not called mono because you only get it once, right?
1: No, it's because it's uh, it's mono means one and duo means two. That's why I said that.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was the, uh, it was the joke that went around the ages. Uh, and so the fir- so there was just sort of this running gag. I mean, it yeah. was great, but there was a running yeah, yeah. gag that like the first one wasn't, was, wasn't able to be what we had kind of designed it to be as much. Um, and so when this one came around, uh, I think a lot of people, thank you for your prayers. A lot of people were worried I was going to tear an Achilles or, <laughs> or something else was going to happen. And it was great. No one, no one really got hurt or sick. Um, A lot of bubble wrap. We wrapped so, you in so yeah, much yeah, bubble wrap; yeah. it was like unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, the the time itself was was phenomenal. Um, the way that we do these is catered around each individual pastor and in kind of the season in their life. And I think providentially, they've tended to land at the right seasons, either when uh, certain transitions are happening, uh, decisions are being made. Um, we don't really design it that way, but in the rotation that's kind of happened. And for me, that's what what happened. We've uh, our youngest, uh, son now is adopted and he's two and a half. Um, and like almost entirely potty trained, which is just the end of like a decade mm-hmm. of that. Um, and so, so, and, um, our, our neighborhood has changed. Uh, we remodeled our house. Um, there's all these different things that that had happened, uh, and they kind of marked the end of a season. And in the midst of all that was COVID and I had started school, um, and there was just we had been in survival mode, give or take, for probably five or six years of just trying to handle all the different things that come with um, with the kind of family that we have and the situation of COVID, like all the different things that had happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were in crazy situations, um, but uh, various threads of mine had kind of intersected at this one point yeah. right around the beginning of, of this year. And so having a sabbatical, um, which was supposed to happen last year, actually, and because of COVID got pushed— uh, I was like, oh, up. That's right. I was up, and then we were like, ah, nah, we're not gonna do that. It was because it, it was just not gonna be any fun. It was supposed to
0: start <laughs> June of 2020, 2020. like <laughs> three months into this whole thing. Yeah, so we we decided not yeah. to do that.
1: And that yeah, you I think that was wise. Yeah, you couldn't. There's no real rest or
0: no. It wouldn't even been. Yeah, yeah.
1: it was chaos. As totally. much
0: as
2: you guys have talked about me embracing social distancing, that probably wouldn't have been <laughs> the thing uh, that would have worked out. So the. That that being said, a lot of this sabbatical, these three months, were kind of dedicated to. He's
0: making fun of himself. I know, and it doesn't.
2: It's, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't
1: exactly work. It's it's a, it's <laughs> a, it's a. <laughs> I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, does, do people know how awkward you are socially? I don't know if like that, like you know, is that but, common that, knowledge?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. Like, it's like I just hope someone can appreciate. Like, there's a there's a cleverness and uh-huh. an intelligence that's happening to layer that much on top of itself. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that was like genuinely, you gotta stop and go. That's yeah, yeah, hard yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't. Not <laughs> your, everyone your,
1: can do that. Your cleverness.
2: <laughs> no, your. Oh, cleverness Oh, my cleverness. Oh, I no. Michael, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah, you you, you found this way to like I get self-deprecating, and you're and you ke- then turn to make fun of me about. It. <laughs> Not being good enough, and then you layer one more on top of that because it's actually true that he is. So I was, that's that's really good.
1: I love you so much.
2: I know. I feel it deep, yeah. deep down in my heart through your words. Uh, so all these things kind of came together um, for us, and so the last three months were a great time of trying to figure out how do you move from uh, having all of this going on and trying to just survive, trying to make it through. Uh, And how do you move into a place that's more sustainable um, for the next, you know, five or 10 years Mm. where the kids are older, more of them are in school, just, it feels like a very seasonal change, like for my life. And in some ways the church is going through its own seasonal changes. And so all these things are kind of woven together, but a lot of the time over those three months were spent just kind of uh, with Chrissy, with the kids, uh, trying to evaluate what, what should our week, our months, our years, you know, uh, my work schedule and, Uh, How we interact with each other, and how can we do this so it doesn't feel like we are just trying to make sure the wheels don't fall off, but actually are moving into a place where uh, there's sustainability and it feels that way. Um, So so that's and and I think that actually happened. Uh, I I I feel I I, people ask a lot, you know, how was the sabbatical, and I say, well, it was great, but I I mean, I was tired all the time, but it was great because I have a big family and there's lots going on. Yeah, but it really was just a phenomenal time. I loved being at church here, just kind of coming to services with my family and seeing people and, um, and being someone who was not, uh, up on stage. Um, you, you forget doing the job that we do, how much of a blessing that is to just have it be normal, um, to just kind of come and and enjoy and partake and participate, um, in a way that's not a given, which is, that that part was great. It was just, it it was phenomenal. Mm. I I really, I really Mm. feel... Uh, privileged to have had it. Um, and I'm excited to, to come back now, um, feeling like there is more sustainability. There is more, uh, ways of being
0: that I think feel more stable. Yeah. You know, it's, and one of the things that I, I think our people, uh, the people at Cornerstone have a deep appreciation, but I don't think it's, it's foreign, but like they they deeply appreciate the, the unique weight of pastoring and, Lots of different callings have their own unique weight, and things like that. but, and I, I don't mean to um, discount that. But I also think that there's a unique kind of life encompassing weight that comes with pastoring, particularly vocational pastoring, that is part also a part of why, in the long term, sustainability and health for lots of pastors. This is a very common um, component of the. Health and longevity of of the pastoral role, and i I just so appreciate that. I so appreciate that the fact that we have a church family that number one rejoices in that, number two supports it and prays and has prayed and lifted you up through that and number three, that we have the the type of church family and set up where like you can still come and be a part of the body in a healthy way um, and engage in friendships and relationships where your identity isn't solely in other people's eyes caught up in this role. Um, I think a lot of churches oftentimes struggle with that. Um, and if a pastor's like, well, I'm going to take weeks off, so I I can't see people from my church at all because they're just going to like, you know, pour that. Bombard me. Yeah, uh, onto me. I think um, that's both sweet and a blessing, and I think provides opportunity for the type of um, insights and direction and um and also just just utter spiritual dependence that comes out of these seasons as well that that then gets um shared and conveyed and sh- shared with the life of the local church. I mean when when you think about what you hope to from this time um either use or convey or be able to communicate to the church body as a whole like does anything come to mind like i don't know i don't know if you've even talked right. about this like um or are there different ways in which maybe directions in which you want to and feel like the lord is calling you not just personally but even for the sake of the church so i mean one thing i think it's helpful for
2: people to know is what you just said i mean i um It's hard to tell. People come from all over the place to move to L.A., and if they're Christians, they come from all different kinds of churches. I know some people are—it takes a while to get used to some of the informality of, like, relating to a pastor that maybe wasn't their experience in another place. Um, It really is a phenomenal—I think a lot of pastors have a hard time doing any kind of vacation or sabbatical attending the church they pastor— because even if people love them very much, they love them kind of in their role. Mm-hmm. Um, and here for a variety of reasons, but one of the main ones is just the culture of the church and the people we have and God's grace and all of that. Um, I'm, I'm, and we are cared for, and I experienced that I am cared for. I'm loved by my person, not just by my role. Mm. Um, and that's, a. I don't know if people really understand how much of a big deal that is. Um, in a job where you can really get uh, you can be viewed through a lens um, so quickly and feel like parts of you are left outside of that lens. Uh, and I think a lot of pastors I know feel that way more or less, and they're not really begrudging. Some of them you know, aren't, aren't begrudging that at all, but I know for me, it's, just, it's massive. And I know, if people don't know that, they should know that. It's an amazing thing that they provide us mm. that we can be known and cared for just as Brian, Scott, Matt, Jose, you know, all the pastors here um, for us. Like people actually care about us apart from our job here, Um, and that—that's just—I mean—if you don't know that, you should know that. I Mm -hmm. I think that's a phenomenal thing that um, is
0: so rare, and people don't realize how rare it is. Okay, so one of the things that I think has come out of this, even specifically for you, has been—I don't know—the way I'd put it is a renewed passion for the theological development of the life of the church, Um, both kind of on a pastoral level and overall i think it was there before but maybe like uniquely focused coming out of that um what does that mean <laughs> like why why did i i would inside love inside the you, mind of about yeah, yeah okay. like, like out of the last okay uh, even after the last three months i think this is something that you're uniquely excited about and i would love to even i don't know in a brief ver- version have you explain why um the ongoing theological development of us as a church matters, and um, why the Lord's calling you to, uh, sure. to, to to prioritize that. So, with the caveat
2: that these are going to this is a big thing, and so it's gonna this is gonna be scatter shot and uh, for sure. might be yeah might be a little more scattered um, than you guys are used to. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons. One is this. So the, um, I read a story uh, about this old like science fiction show, um, and and what had happened is, is you know I think Star Trek, right? And uh, and they land on this planet, and the planet is run by one giant supercomputer, and it's in the center of this planet, and it's been running everything. You know, the, the lights, the food, the whole thing, the, the whole you know ecosystem is run by this really advanced you know, supercomputer. And it's been that way for millions of years, you know, or, or thousands, I suppose thousands of years at that point. point, thousands of years, this thing has been running generations and generations and generations have passed, And this ship sort of, of other people, maybe humans get there and they, you know, they land and they meet everyone and the plants having these big problems because sometimes the lights aren't turning on. Um, but they don't know how the computer works. They forgot. So mm. they can't fix it. Um, and so there's all these sort of problems happening on the surface of this planet that are happening because of something happening at the center. But no one remembers how they did that, how they built that, how it works, how how to fix it. So they're trying to kind of patch up all these external problems, and they can't do it because they, they've they forgotten. Mm. And in a lot of ways, I think there's uh, some, some uh, mirroring there with a lot of the things that are happening in Christian culture, at least in America or maybe in the West, um, where we are kind of raised, uh, most of us, in this unique time in Christian history, where a lot of the the show your work of things. <laughs> we stopped doing that. Um, so this has been thousands of years of Christians thinking hard about the Bible and what it means and how to apply it in a world that's diverse and complicated and big and and needy. Um, and uh, they did all this work to try and produce it. And a lot of people ended up kind of like uh, grabbing the answers that they got and kind of making a list out of those answers and then saying, okay, learn those answers and you're going to be fine. But life's too complicated for that. Um, And so when you bump into difficult things, and I think things like uh, politics these days, a lot of the cultural issues that are happening, um, a lot of our own individual ways of reacting to our emotions and thoughts and feelings and relationships, we have this set of kind of this crib sheet of answers we've been given that's this kind of summary statement, but we never knew how to do the work ourselves. So we can't go back in a new situation and say, oh, well, let's, let's do the work of theology, which is taking scripture and applying it to this situation, in a way that feels broad and thorough and accurate and right and fitting for what's happening, um, and so kind of old problems uh, or old answers don't always work for new problems if you don't know how you got the first answer, mm-hmm. and so in a way I feel like um, theological development for the church, especially for Cornerstone, in a place like Los Angeles where there are uh, there's ways that well, not a hub, but a lot of uh, flashpoints of things that are happening culturally hit in a place like Los Angeles where different cultures collide in unique ways. And where uh, as a city environment, you have all sorts of, you have more people, you have more thoughts, more opinions. um, And you have the, you know, social media and all the things that go with that, which can be accessed anywhere. You put all that together and we're in a unique place where I think going back and trying to figure out how do we not just know a right answer, but know how we got there and feel a facility to be able to do it again as a people, as, as a community, not just individuals running around, but as a community, how do we do that? That to me is what theological development is. And I think a lot of the, uh, the emotions and struggles that are happening both societally as they affect the church, societally and internally, uh, interior in, in the church and around it uh, can be traced back to us not really having that frame, not really having that way of, uh, not just getting the not just knowing the answer, but how we got there, so we can do it again in a different way, mm. um, or apply something that was that, that's a thousand years old, and go, oh, but that's actually really pertinent. Like that actually really applies. Except I, you know, I never heard any of that, or
0: <laughs> so, or, or not just in a way that says, oh, that look, that backs up my answer, right? Now I can tweet it, right? You know, well, can, can you speak to because when you when you talk like that,
1: it, it sounds academic, right? In some ways, where it, it's it's about kind of understanding deeply but like can you talk about specifically the pastoral side of that for you where the the thinking through that and you think about like our specific people right and you think about what 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 pressures they're feeling like the societal things can be theoretical but then it touches down like in the lives of individual people what does that look like for you or what do you imagine that look looking like for you as it touch as like all of those things you're thinking through and all of that the processing of what's actually going on inside this computer that is, you know, th- that needs to be, uh, understood and, 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 and thought through with more depth. Like, how does that, how do you like imagine, and maybe maybe this is impossible to ask, but, um, or to answer, uh, it's easy to ask. It's impossible to answer, <laughs> but how do you, how do you imagine that? Like from pastoral, a per- pastoral perspective, like touching down as you move forward?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And there's, uh, the kind of layers of answers. Yeah. Um, and I don't have them all figured out. This is the scattered part of it. Sure. I think a lot of this is me trying to figure out some of that exact question is, okay, I, I think this is important. How how does this track on to the lives of someone who's not me? You know, who's not maybe not even a, not a pastor, Not you know? Um, so there's some of those questions that I still have, and I, I would like to figure out more. But um, I, the things that I do feel somewhat confident in are, are this. Um, one, the Christian life has, as it depending on how you want to frame it, um, has as one component the contemplation of God, like thinking of God as big and, and interacting with him that way. And even just from a really kind of bare bones perspective, um, we talk about relating to God. And you know, Scott, today you're, you're in the sermon towards the end, you're trying to get across this really somewhat subtle but very important distinction, which is it's not just his words, it's him. You can't take these things apart from each other. And to interact with someone, um, but not ever think about their nature, not ever think about how they work, not ever want to Mm. get into certain details, doesn't track, and I think leaves us the worse off for it, because Mm. we end up reducing Christianity to answers to a set of social problems and answers to a set of personal problems. Mm. Um, And and really, in a sense, you you might want to say, okay, well, how do we directly address that? How do we kind of go after that? And one way to do it is to say, okay, well, it's not that. There's... um, it's a negative way of doing it. It's, it's not what you're doing. But I think what's interesting is the only positive way to address it is really to, to, to address it in an indirect way. You can't matrix in a vision of God into someone's head. You know, like, yeah. like you can't like plug in. You have to actually go through the process of learning, thinking, dwelling, meditating, not just on things that seem incredibly pertinent to you now, but on the kind of truths about God that in some ways are impractical, but adjust your entire person as you go about your life. And so in that way, become practical almost in an indirect way. Mm. So some of it pastorally is that, mm. is I think we need a vision of God that our crib sheet is not providing for us. Mm. That's one. Um, other things I think include uh, pastorally, I think there are a lot of people who feel caught in the midst of a lot of cultural winds And they find themselves going, oh, to the left, to the right. I don't feel like I fit either of these. I don't really like either of these. But they also don't feel like, well, but I've got this thing nailed, though. I know exactly how to do this. Because these are complicated things that they're feeling and experiencing, whether it's at the workplace, online, wherever, amidst family. Yeah. Um, and so I think trying to give us a, a better set of tools, not just a hammer, you know, not just a screwdriver, but like, like a more robust set of tools for how to do what it is Christians have done for a long time is a way to uh, help there and give them more security. Now, that doesn't mean they all have to become you know, perfectly fluent in all of these things, but it does mean that one of us should um, and yeah. all of us should in some ways. And so for me coming back pastorally, it's like, well, maybe I should be someone who's doing a lot of that work and helping us all do it together as pastors and then helping us provide that for people in a way that they go, oh, this isn't just what kind of the party line that I've heard or whatever, you know, throughout you know, all the different spaces I I work in, there's a way for me to then feel like I'm understanding more of what's happening around me. And now rolling the first point, I'm understanding that inside of a larger vision of God that I have. So like all of that's like really cool. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's more, um, where I think that, uh, uh, the way that, the way that, uh, we put our Christian like understanding together is built on a kind of foundation. And historically that was called catechesis. It was this idea of this really weird. Bless you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It basically was a question and a set of questions and answers that kids would like memorize. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, that sounds very rote. It sounds kind of empty. It's devoid of soul. (laughs) Like just memorizing stuff. It's kind of what I don't want Christianity to be is just memorizing stuff. But what would happen is as those kids and young adults grew up, they all of a sudden had access to this set of really kind of robust and rich ideas about who God is and who they are in, they had memorized um, that were these synthesis of, of scripture and they would be able to start going, Oh, Oh, I can use these categories like all over my life. Mm. And so it begins to form this foundation that wasn't just kind of a pylon here, a pylon there to borrow your image this morning, yeah. but it really is a fully laid foundation that they go, I could build a whole house on this without any spot feeling like it's going to drop through. And that's this really cool thing too. So you see some of the indirectness of it is actually where it's the most pastorally beneficial, I think. And where people who are listening, they're going, oh yeah, that might not like hit me square Like that might not make like the, the next four hours today. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian did some theological development. I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. But but over time, as that accrues, you find yourself just a different person with a different vision of God and yourself and with a different ability to navigate the world because of this more thorough foundation you have and more tools you've been given by your pastors.
0: Mm. I so appreciate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad that we got there because I, I wanted you to also talk about how the nature of this it just allows us to know God, right? There's, there's so many ways we stop, we can stop up short, being like, okay, yeah, 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 I get him, right? When, it, when if anybody ever does that to us, we're like, like that's annoying. Like, that's like, wait, you don't know me. Like, you're not taking the time to get to know me. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I get what you like. Like, I've got a label for you, right? But God, infinite in complexity even, like, longs for us to continue to spend our entire lives coming to know him. And that's where I, When I hear you talk about that, when I hear you talk about the need for theological development, the need for just a deeper understanding of God, In in one sense, I feel like there's probably a lot of people, if they've been – at cornerstone for any amount of time who feel like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I've, I've got more of that than average, (laughs) right? Like I I think I'm, I'm thinking about things in a, in a, in a nuanced, in a a deeper way. I'm, I'm I'm invited into know God, but what I, what I hear you say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is that in a lot of ways we we tend to want to think about things, um, like diametrically opposed or in like bifurcated, is that the right binary binary? We'll go with that. Um, I would th- love to see you try to spell bifurcate. <laughs> is I, 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 would, in there? I would need a white, I need a whiteboard. <laughs> um, the, but we, we, we think about things in the binary. So either I'm like not good at this at all. And so I need to like grow in it or, uh, oh yeah. Like I'm better than average. And so I don't need to think about it. But what I keep hearing you saying is there's so much more to be had. Like this is, this exists on a continuum and there's so much more to be had of actually addresses the complexities and struggles and practical day-to-day things that come up in our lives, but there's also like, there's more to be had of God. Um, and if there's more to be had of knowing God and understanding God and, and moving beyond even, I don't know, maybe the the simpler categories are whatever forms of catechesis we received, gave us, um, if there's more to be explored than as a church, like that's our job to continue to to exhort and and um, strive together to know God more and to understand His world more and ourselves more richly and more complexly. Is that? Yeah, that's right. I mean,
2: C.S. Lewis. Is that track um, in one of the I read his uh, letters to children over over the sabbatical, which is just this fascinating little book. Mm-hmm. They're all really short, and it's just to watch the way he treats kids. Um, but he would say these these randomly profound things um, just to these, you know, seven year olds or whatever (laughs) writing. And at one point the context would take too long, but he basically was describing something this, this child had written to him, like a a writing sample that that she had sent. Um, And he, and he said, it's good. You know, he's giving her this feedback, which is really interesting to watch this guy give feedback to like a seven year olds writing. Um, And he says, I think that's the right context. He says uh, it, it's better in the way that uh, a picture is better than a map. Hmm. And, and, Maps are very helpful, like they, they really are, and they're important. And you cannot really subside without a map if you want to go somewhere, unless you are have already been there. So if you're gonna go somewhere new, you need a map. But there's something about a picture that draws you in in a way that a map doesn't. Um, and I think that a lot of us feel like we have this is the a, a wrong way to say this, but just go with me. Mm-hmm. We feel like we have a decent map of God, um, but the picture is different. Mm. Uh, we don't always have a picture. And and there's ways that, that I can make that immediately theological and get really intense and talk about Christology and Jesus and how he's, you know, the very image of God and these different things. And that's all right and true, and I would love to do it. But I think the big thing is that um, we don't, we're told he's big, but we never think on his bigness. And sometimes we're told to think on his bigness, but that doesn't actually mean anything. Hmm. Think about how big he is. Okay, he's big. He's very big. He's bigger than big. He's the biggest of the biggest. He's the infinitely big. You don't even get so far there. When I start talking about how God is, is three in one, how he's simple, how he's not just good, but he's goodness itself, how there are things about the nature of God that are so substantially different than anything you or I have ever experienced, that they're not even created. They're not creaturely. They're not, univ- they're not in the universe. They're, they're separate, that he's alien to us, that he's not he's not large he's largeness he's like that that there is a way in which you will never understand him and if you think if you start trying to exercise your mind and your heart to sit before him in his nature in who and what he is that is so utterly foreign to you and me you begin to find yourself saying he's big in a really different way the way a picture is better than a map Mm. and i think that there's something to that for us and I think that sometimes the, the things that sound academic sound like they want to give you a better map when they're really trying to give you a better picture. Mm. Thomas Aquinas, um, if you ever read any of Thomas Aquinas, uh, it's this really, it's it, as academic as academic gets. They called it scholastic. There's this is way of doing things. It's like the finest of fine distinctions. And he wrote this, this, this big book on it. Um, and he basically didn't finish it. He said, because he had this experience while he was essentially taking communion, um, he had this experience of God where, where he kind of, reading into it a little bit, it seems like he says, I, 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 was, I came to terms with or I, I, I encountered the, the God I was describing. And I just couldn't, every, he said, everything, everything I've written is just straw. Mm. Said, I, I can't. And there's, there's something in which I don't think those are separate experiences. Mm. I think him working through, just exercising his mind and his heart and his soul to think about God's nature the things that God has said in Scripture, the, the things—he said, think along these lines. What, what must this mean about me? What must this mean about the world and you, if this is true? To really exercise yourself in that direction is to work towards an understanding of God that's a lot— it's not just you being told it's big. It's, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a picture, not a map. Yeah. So that's, that's where I think this stuff comes in and, and, and does something counterintuitive. It's not just an intellectual exercise. But I think without loving God with, you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength, I don't think you can pick one. I, I think you lose things. Mm. And so I'm not saying everyone, and if you're listening to this, I know it's like, oh, okay, so now I've got to make the finest of fine distinctions. No, that's not it. We're going to give you pictures too. Like, like we're here to help. It's why God gave the church pastors and God, why God gave the church these people who were doing some of this. But you yourself beginning to, to do, think hard things, to begin to, to exercise yourself in this direction as we help and maybe as, you know, as I find a role here that allows more of that, mm. I think is going to give us a better picture and we're going to be a little more floored than we are mm. by God um, and be able to encounter the fact that we can only, we, we, I could keep going. I can go a yeah, long yeah. time.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I so appreciate that because I mean I just know even practically how much that and your influence in that has both shaped my relationship with God, my knowledge of God, but also shaped my, Ministry and teaching and thinking and and preaching and has shaped the life of our church to this point. And I think what we're saying is, and I think one of the things that has come out of this season, I guess, way I would summarize it, is, is in a sense a, a renewed passion and commitment to uh, not get um, so inundated by all the specifics and logistics that that, that unique role and contribution that you have in, in, in fueling that in all of our lives uh, is lost, which I'm really excited about. Um, will we'll talk about this more, but since we're like right here before with the last few minutes, I want to ask you, uh, and this is another like question. I know that we don't have time for you to answer it sufficiently in the way you want to, but I want to ask it: Why does that type of endeavor, why does this type of endeavor, belong in the local church, and not? Because it sounds like the type of endeavor that belongs in the academy, that belongs in seminaries, and that, you know, that, that then maybe can like produce books or something like that that somebody in the local church can can read. But why does this endeavor and the I think somebody would be like, oh, but that, that doesn't sound as much like doing the work of a pastor. And I think what we're saying is that is like absolutely particularly given your gift and, but especially like that is the work of a pastor, but why does this type of work belong in the local church?
2: Yeah, that could get long.
0: Um, <laughs> but to, to, uh, to try and nutshell
2: it, um, one part of that is, there's a historical answer, um, which is the fact that we'd asked that question at all means that you know it's been that it, the last hundred fifty years have happened or two hundred yep. years. Yeah. So ever since, kind of everyone blames everything on the Enlightenment. But this is this is a real one. Like yeah. ever since the Enlightenment um, and kind of the way that reason came to dominate as our only authoritative source of everything in the world and everything else, um, we the university split and fractured to the point where now yeah someone's like, oh that's that sounds like academic stuff. Versus pastoral stuff; uh-huh. those are two very different things, and there's a whole lineage of that thought that we could trace out. But before like 200 years ago, no one would even know what you were asking. Yeah. Um, the best theological minds in our Christian tradition were pastors, all right. of them, without without fail. And and the reason they were the best, th- well, okay. And and because of that, uh, that that split that's happened, you now have a lot of people who, if you go read like John Calvin. Martin Luther, Augustine, kind of these kind of uh, big names in the history of the church. You find that they're very easy to read. They don't sound academic, even though they're making these incredibly fine distinctions. You get into Aquinas and those guys, it feels yeah. academic. But but you, for most of these guys, they were, they were trying hard. And as women, Hillary, I mean, there's all these people who were writing, and they were writing out of the context of their pastoral ministry and the needs of the people in front of them. So all those fine academic distinctions they're making are being used in service of the people and they're paying attention to them because of the needs of the people. So they're not going, "Hey, here's a cool academic thing, let me see how it works for the people." I like the academic stuff, but I really should apply it. They're saying, "No, no, these go these are together. These should never these are two sides of a coin and you can never do one without the other." Yeah. And so only recently, you know, you read the theology books like this sounds really dry. Yeah. So sometimes you read commentaries and you go, oh, "This is so like clinical." But just rewind just a few hundred years, yeah, and the people who are doing the best, most robust, uh, intricate theological work about the nature of God and what the Trinity's like and all these things are people who are standing in awe of God and doing it for the service of the people that they're pastoring week to week. And so for me, I go, that's that, that was never supposed to end up this way. And if you're turned off and, and you you hear academic stuff and the way I'm talking, that makes total sense to me. But it's because we're a children of we're children of our age. Yeah. Um, And it's because all you've ever seen of this is probably things that have been written in the last hundred years. And it does seem really dry. And you'd rather pick up like, you know, a Christian living book off the shelf and read that. When I tell you, just rewind a little bit and you will find yourself more in awe of God and what he's done because someone went in both directions simultaneously and held them together. Um, And so, which it really is the same direction, you know, the the analogies fail. But that's where I say, this is absolutely something that is pastoral. It's always what we've done. And you can't do theology well if you're not being motivated by pastoral need or by, by life need. It yeah. doesn't you have to be a pastor to do it? But by what's actually happening in the world God made, because otherwise you're just spinning your wheels for no reason, and they get disconnected, and they get dry and clinical, and it gets really lame. Yeah. So I, I yeah. look forward to did you look say backwards. lame. I
0: did say lame. I'm a man of the people, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I <was> gonna say. <laughs> that's a clinical term. Uh, so, yeah. Well, and 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 I would, I mean, I would just affirm. I mean you know this but even just for those listening that that's not simply a conviction it's not simply your conviction right that that's our conviction that's conviction of all of our pastors and elders that to whatever extent and different levels of facility with it but we uh that that is important in the life of the church that this is the work of the life of the the church the life of the local church and um and i'm uh, particularly really excited for What continues to come of that as we grow and strengthen and behold God more richly together, um, as the, the church moves forward. Again, I think sometimes the, where's the church headed, uh, becomes a a question of like pragmatic vision, right? Like, okay, what's the program that we're going to get everybody behind and yeah. And and what, there's new things we're going to do. We, we, we got a 22 planning process. I'm kicking <laughs> off. I've got an email going out to our staff I mean, we got lots of, you know, th- there's lots of that, that does it. But the thing that excites me, like, where are we going? I, I think we're going towards beholding God deeper, more richly. Like, I think that's where we're going. And that's what excites me more than anything. And I think that, that then the, the, the programs and the things we do and even the, you know, topics we tackle and things that are going to, uh, flow out of that. Um, but that's one of the things that about this that um and about not about but both about this, about your gifting, also about your unique passion and the um focus that has come out of this season um that I'm particularly excited about. So um agreed. We should probably end there. Uh we've got a what am I supposed to get to a who's who's teaching this walking with God class? Right. One of you? Scott. Scott is okay one of us is gonna go gotta go downstairs and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and do a class but dude, I, I even as you were talking this might be theology nights this is the way we could do it <laughs>
2: <laughs> people don't get that joke it's always
1: it's like what, what's the program four years ago we were like well, how are Scott, we gonna how
0: do, how do we get this? We're like well let's do theology nights and like you all just, four you just people spent, like 10 minutes talking 10 about is. how
1: pro- the programmatic thing is not the thing it's then not you and I just <laughs> Brian wants something more indirect like reading a book in his study by himself <laughs> so that's pretty indirect
2: <laughs> it'll, it'll it'll trickle down yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah. Right. Tri- trickle down theology
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> works so well with economics like a... uh,
0: <laughs> all right i think we've reached our limit thank you all for listening thanks it's yes. it's so good to be together in many back together in many different contexts but this one, you this guys well.
1: all can't see this, but we are holding hands, <laughs> interlocking fingers. You can't see it, but just to give you a picture, it's better, it's better than it's w- actually uh, what we
0: decided to do the last time we took a break. To
1: I didn't want, to, I, instead of giving you a map, I'm gonna give you a picture. <laughs> the three of us are sitting around a table holding hands
0: with interlocking fingers, and with that, we're done. We love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday.